Good morning, Gateway Church, and thanks for joining us this morning. This pandemic, in two weeks' time, has gone from annoying and amusing to incredibly serious and costly. We ask that you do your part with the call for self-isolation. We are encouraging you to make phone and internet contact with a few people each day to see if you can meet any needs or encourage others. Check on your family, neighbors, and church. Just, to, just remember, all meetings regularly held at the church will not be held till further notice. All home groups will meet via the internet um, this Tuesday evening. And this week, when we usually take our benevolent offering to help those in need in our church, give some thought this week about how you can help those who are in need from the loss of work or illness. A few suggestions. Island Harvest Food Bank at www.islandharvest.org. They serve Long Island, our local community, and surrounding the Gateway Church. Donate blood. Uh, donate blood. Contact the New York Blood Center for places and times to give. Email. Uh, website. www.mybloodcenter.org. Send a gift to Gateway Church and designate for the benevolent offering of the church, www.gatewayli.org. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the day that you've given us this morning. Um, while many of us um, spend our days following the self-isolation, um, we're at home. Um, for many of us, it's a, it's a mi mile to um, just... Uh, an inconvenience, um, and we all long for the days when things get, quote, back to normal. Um, we also um, have the ability, when the news of the world, um, the sickness, the deaths, the ugliness uh, of this pandemic that grips uh, the earth right now, uh, we have the option of turning off the radio or turning off the TV. But, Lord, this morning, um, our, our thoughts and our prayers to you are for those that don't have that ability to turn off the radio or turn off the TV because they live, um, they live uh, on the front line, as they should say, in this war against this pandemic. Um, those front liners, uh, Lord, um, the obvious, the doctors, uh, the PAs, the policemen, the firemen, the EMTs, all the way down to those who who work in the in the supermarkets who make sure that the um, the shelves are filled so that we can be. Um, um, uh, we have the convenience of walking into a store, buying food, and going back and, and, and getting away from um, this scourge. Again, Lord, our prayer for those who don't have that ability to A, turn off the news, or B, walk towards what we're, we're being told to keep away from. So, Father, as always, we go to your word, we go to scripture, and speak your words back to you regarding these people. This morning we go to Psalm 91 my refuge and my fortress. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the tower of the night, nor the arrows that fly by day. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Because you have made your Lord 
the de your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you, no plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Father, we ask for blessing on all those that, who, who move towards what, we're, what we keep our social distance from. We ask blessing, we ask prolonged health, and we just ask your hand upon them. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, Gateway Church, and thank you, Chris, for getting us started this morning. Uh, it's been an incredible journey the last uh, couple of weeks as we have seen this pandemic uh, go from a curiosity to a very costly affair in the lives of our nation and the world. Um, we're hoping that you are doing well and coping with it. Uh, we want to be here and be some assistance to you. Uh, thank you for tuning in each week and sharing in our video messages that we've been posting online. Uh, we hope that you'll share uh, this opportunity with others and just let them know that they can come to our webpage at www.gatewayli.org and uh, check out the messages that we presented. Uh, these two weeks in particular are very difficult to do from this kind of a setting. When we think of Palm Sunday and when we think of Easter morning, when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, it should be a time when we're together. But we are apart. Uh, there are serious things facing organizations, facing uh, our um, individual people that have lost work because of this. The shutdown will continue for some time and the cost is beginning to add up in the lives of people that have passed away and also in those that have lost opportunities uh, to work and um, even pay their bills. And with that in mind, each week we have been calling you to pray. Uh, and so we want to begin uh, this morning uh, before the message with a word of prayer. Uh, especially I'm mindful this week, all week long, of our healthcare workers. Uh, they are on the front lines. Uh, I'm also mindful of those that are manning our stores and getting the supplies to us that we need. Uh, I'm grateful for everything that everyone's doing. But I hope that you'll pray regularly, continually, uh, as I've spoken with those in our church and those in our families that are nurses and, work, and doctors and working in the hospitals. Uh, it is taking its toll emotionally and physically upon them. They're tired. Uh, they need your encouragement, your strength. And so let's bow for a moment of prayer as we begin this morning. Father, I give you great thanks this morning for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that we could see our way through all of what has been going on around us. I pray, Father, that you would bless and keep your people. Father, I know that um, we have nurses and doctors that are on the front line. I pray that you would protect them and keep them safe and help them to keep going when they're weary when they might not have all of the equipment that they need. <clears throat> I pray, Father, that you would bless our politicians as they seek to make right decisions in the midst of all of this. I pray, Father, that you would watch over our population as increasingly uh, we're being hit with this virus and it is running its course among us. I pray, Father, for those that are grieving over the loss of ones that they've loved. I pray that you would help them and encourage them. And Father, we give this morning to you that we might be able to find truth in the midst of chaos. I pray, Father, that we could find hope and help in the midst of something that's way out of our control. And so, Father, we give our time of meeting to you this morning, asking for your help and for your blessing. 
In Jesus' name, amen. There is an Indian proverb and parable that has been told and retold in many different ways for many hundreds of years. It involves a number of very learned blind men uh, that came upon an elephant for the first time. And using all of their wisdom, each of them felt a certain section of the elephant and came to their noble conclusions as to what it was. One touching the leg felt that it was a tree trunk, and another touching the trunk thought that it was a rope, and on the story goes. Uh, in some tellings of the story, they even got to the place where they started to trade insults and trade blows with one another. And it's all an illustration of the fact that mankind has a tendency to look at the world through their limited view and limited vision and make conclusions that they think they're the only ones that know what's right. And uh, we're going to look at a passage of scripture this morning that is at the heart of our celebration of Jesus presenting himself as a king uh, to his people. It was a day where he was seeking to clear up a lot of false conceptions that people had about the world and about spirituality uh, because they were looking at it through narrow eyes that were only seeing a small part of the whole picture. Jesus had come to earth to reveal the glory of God. Jesus had come to earth to make clear what was the most important thing and he was going to open people's eyes to some of this truth if they were willing to see it. If they were willing to listen to somebody else, if they were willing to take a minute and see. So I'd like to begin with uh, just reading the introduction to this part of the story of Jesus' life and then making some points about it um, that I think will help us even in the midst of this crisis. In Luke chapter 19, uh, beginning with verse 28, it says that Jesus went ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached, approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you're untying it, tell them the Lord has need of it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. And as we take a look at this passage of Scripture this morning, we're going to find that this day of Jesus presenting himself as the king coming in peace to the city of Jerusalem, uh, it was a day full of prophecies, prophecies of the destruction of the temple, prophecies of the problems that were surrounding the nation of Israel at the time, but it was also about clearing up misconceptions. It's been interesting to uh, watch 
the very brightest and best minds politically, scientifically, medically in our country try to tackle this uh, virus that has come upon us. Uh, everyone is taking looks at pieces of it and they're trying to put all of their minds together to figure it out and it has been a great challenge. And we shouldn't think that spiritual truth is any less of a challenge and Jesus is giving us an opportunity as we reflect on this day this day when we remember the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ to the city of Jerusalem, that we need to have some of our misconceptions about life and about spirituality cleared up. And I hope that we'll pay attention to what we find in the scriptures. The main point that I want to make today is, is that things are not always as they seem. Mankind has this tendency to think that what they see, they see the clearest. And what they assume and think about it is always the right thing. And what Jesus is going to do is, is make plain three or four things to his disciples that they need to understand about life, about the spiritual lives that they live before God, and about the salvation that they need. And so we want to begin by taking a look, first of all, that one of the great things that people don't understand is, is that the Creator, Redeemer God is worthy of worship. It's a fascinating thing that happened that Jesus came into the city and uh, he was worshipped by the people for the miracles that he had done. He was worshipped by his disciples because they had realized that he was the Messiah, the Anointed One, the one that was sent by God to redeem Israel. And they worshipped him. They threw their cloaks on the ground. They worshipped him with palm branches and palm leaves. And by the way, let me just mention at this point in time, uh, as always on Palm Sunday, our church gets an automatic order of 200 palm branches, which we're just going to leave out on the front steps of the church for anyone to take. We're not encouraging you to come out, uh, but if you would like one, they'll be there until they're gone. Um, but they worshipped him by not even wanting the hoofs of the donkey that he was riding to touch the ground, uh, showing him respect, showing him honor. And the Pharisees came on the scene, it says that when they came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And then some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And it should be of note to us that the religious leaders of Jesus, they had a problem with people worshiping Jesus. But it's because with their eyes and their limited ability to see the truth, they didn't realize that that one that was riding on the donkey that day was their creator. That one that was riding on the donkey was their God. And he was worthy of worship. There are many people in the world today that have decided that Jesus is not worthy of their worship. As in fact, there's many of them that think that Jesus has caused a lot of problems in this world because his followers have been this annoying group of people with this annoying group of standards and laws and rules and that they shouldn't have anything to do with the rest of us. Some people believe that God doesn't even exist. And what the scriptures are telling us today is, is that you may have made up your mind about what you think is true is about, about life, but I urge you to take a long, hard look at the person of Jesus. Jesus was the creator. John had come to that conclusion, and so when he opens his gospel, he says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
And then he goes on to speak about the fact that he was there in the beginning and that there was nothing made that wasn't made through him. Paul came to the same conclusion in Colossians chapter 1 as he spoke to the believers about who Jesus was as the Son of God. He was the Creator God. But he was also the Redeemer God. Jesus would make the bold statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And we find today that people would like to tell you that if there is a God, there's a multitude of ways to get to Him. But I would submit to you that if you're going to take the Scriptures as true, that Jesus is the only way, and that you need to take a long, hard look at who He is. And so while the world is out there telling you that perhaps there is no God, the world is telling you that there's many ways to God, Jesus came on the scene and He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life and that no one comes to the Father but by me. He, the Creator, Redeemer, God, is worthy of our worship. And so we bow before Him. We kneel before Him. We sing to Him. We pray to Him. We worship Him. And we exalt Him for what He has done. I hope you found Him to be your Redeemer. I hope that you acknowledge Him as your Creator. And I hope you serve Him as your Lord and God. The next thing that we find in this passage of Scripture is, is that he tells us that there's a peace that is not attainable apart from God. Uh, the world likes to think that they know what peace is all about. Peace is the absence of war. Peace is the absence of religion. I think of that song that is often sung at troubled times like John Lennon, Imagine There's No Heaven. And I would like to submit to you that what if we imagine there's no heaven and then we die and we get there and say, my goodness, there is a heaven and there is a hell. It doesn't do you any good to imagine things away. We like to think that there's political answers to peace. We like to think that there's financial answers to peace. The people in Jesus' day wondered if Rome was the answer. And so there were some that were aligned with the Roman government that had taken over Palestine. There were others that couldn't wait for the Messiah to break the yoke of Rome. And they thought that there was going to be a political solution and that there were many that believed that Jesus was the political solution and he was going to do that. But we find in this passage of scripture that as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. I've often come to this passage of scripture and in times previous to this, I said, when was the last time you wept over anything that really tore at your hearts? Um, and I have to admit that this pandemic has really brought some of us to tears. I've been on my knees, um, even as I've worshipped on Sunday morning, and I've been crying, asking God to use it as an opportunity to win people to Him and to draw people to Himself. But Jesus saw the city because with all that was going on in the glory of Rome and Herod and his building projects in the temple, more grand than it had ever been before, Jesus saw that there was a brokenness there that the city didn't recognize, a need to deal with the sin problem of mankind. And so while they were waiting for Jesus to do all kinds of things, perform miracles and heal the sick, overthrow the Roman government and bring a peace that was the peace of God, Jesus was trying to tell them that on this day I'm presenting myself to you as a God who is coming to redeem you because you've got a problem with sin. And he said to them, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. You did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. In this passage, Jesus would prophesy on this day 
the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple in 70 AD when the Roman governments or when the Roman armies marching under Titus would utterly destroy the temple that they were worshiping in the temple that they had hoped in and Jesus was telling them that the hope that you need to have is in me and my ability to free you from sin one of the fascinating things about today is, is it was going to be less than a week later that the crowds rather than worshiping him and praising him would be shouting crucify him I have been amazed at the change in our mindset and our perspective over the last three weeks as this pandemic went from a curiosity and an annoyance to this costly affair that is just dragging us down dragging people into the uh, pits of depression and causing us to search for ways to cope. Jesus came to the city and he says, you're trying to imagine everything. Remember, we thought, oh no, we're losing the sports teams and we won't have games to watch. Then we're having to watch reruns because they're not filming new things on TV. And now we're getting bored with everything around us. And God is saying, can't you see that the bigger problem is the sin problem of your heart? And Jesus said to them that day as he wept over the city, if you, even you, had known on this day what would bring you peace. And Palm Sunday, even though it is about celebrating the King coming, it's about knowing what makes for peace. And it's not even going to be a solution to the COVID-19 problem. It's not going to be a solution to the unemployment that's rising and the cost of this whole affair that we're surrounded in. But the ultimate peace and the ultimate healing is going to come from knowing that God had the ability to redeem us from the sin and Jesus would come and he would even use the troubled hearts of the city crying crucify him to the glory of God as he sacrificed himself on the cross for us and so not only clearing up misconceptions there is a peace that's not attainable apart from God we need to learn to communicate with God through prayer and so after Jesus rode into the city he went to the temple and it says that when Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. And we need to learn to communicate with God for prayer. And we make faith out to be all kinds of things. It's a great worship team. It's a beautiful sanctuary. It's a great big Bible that we have in front of us and some of us have 10 Bibles, 15 Bibles, 20 Bibles. We think it's all the things around us. We think it's our tradition of worship and we've missed the point that it's all about communing with God and, and Jesus wasn't saying to them that there was anything wrong with providing animals for sacrifice. It was his father that had commanded them to come to the temple and sacrifice. Sacrifice was a good thing sacrifice had been commanded by God but throughout the scriptures God said if that's all you have is just the outside external trappings of religion you've missed the whole point it's obedience that I desire more than anything else and it's a relationship with you I want you to learn to commune with me and I think one of the things that we need to learn through this when we can't fellowship together when we don't have the distractions of meeting together that we could learn that the most important thing was learning the fellowship with God. I remember a number of years ago, I heard the testimony about a Chinese pastor during one of the times of great persecution in the land of China against the Christian church. 
and he had been put in prison. And he had had a church of three to 500 people that he was very concerned about and worried about. And as he was in prison, he fretted for 10 years um, as to what was going to happen to those people. And he wondered if any of them were even still alive as he suffered in prison. And finally, when he got out of prison, he found that because of his arrest and because of his persecution, that the church, rather than dying, had grown in its obedience and grown in, in its number and grown in sincerity, and there were thousands of believers that were meeting throughout the city in, in fellowship with God and communing with God in small groups. And we need to be careful that we don't assume that church is this external thing with all of its tradition. Jesus was coming in and he rattled the traditions of his day. He shook the foundations of what the Pharisees believed, what the Pharisees believed, what his followers believed were going to be the truths of religion. And he said, it's all about learning to commune with the Father through me. So I don't know what Palm Sunday means for you, but I hope that it's a day where you can take a look at the story and have a lot of misconceptions about your faith cleared up. The first thing that you need to know is, is it's a priority that we worship the Creator, Redeemer, God. The world will tell you there is no Creator. The world will tell you you have no need of Redeemer. The world will tell you that there is no God. We need to learn that there is a peace that is only attainable through God. We're watching our finances once again ripped away from us, people losing jobs, people struggling to get by. And God is telling you that there's a greater problem that you need to solve, and that's the problem of peace with God through Jesus Christ, paying for the penalty of sins, and having a redemption that lasts for eternity and not just for our time on this earth. And then finally, we need to learn to commune with God through prayer. Prayer is an incredibly valuable thing. Back when this uh, whole thing started to explode with the pandemic, our president called for a national day of prayer. And uh, there was an article that I read on uh, one of the National Atheist web pages that said prayer is what Christians do when they feel the need to do something but accomplish absolutely nothing. But I have news for you and I have news for anyone who believes that prayer is not a valuable thing. Our Creator, Redeemer God values prayer deeply. We're told in Scripture in one of the few glimpses of heaven that prayers rest in the presence of God as an incense um, coming up before His nostrils. And even though He doesn't always do what we say because His will always trumps our will, um, He knows that prayers are the speaking of our heart to Him. And He is very much wanting to commune with us. And I hope that you'll learn to be a people of prayer. Take some time when this video is over and just pray together uh, with your family. Pray together with whoever's listening to the video. And if you're alone, that you pray for a season and ask God to be visiting with you. Commune with Him. And don't get up until you've felt His presence and known that you've spoken with the Most High God. Let's pray. Father in Heaven, I thank You so much for Jesus. I thank You that on this day that He rode into the city and presented Himself as the Prince of Peace, that we get to learn some things that the world is telling us aren't reality. We get to learn that there is a Creator, Redeemer, God that is worthy of our worship. We get to learn that Jesus 
would provide peace. Let us not be blind to the need to deal with our sin problem. And Father, thank you for communing with us through prayer. I pray that we would come before you when we pray and worship you, that we would come before you and ask you for the things that we need, and that we would come before you and wait patiently for the answers. Wait patiently to hear from you. Wait patiently to visit with our Lord and God. I pray, Father, that you would visit with your people this day. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a joy to be with you this morning, and we just want you to know that we love each one of you. We're praying for you. We'd like to share a song with you this morning that means a great deal to us personally. A few years ago, our daughter was on a respirator, and we were not sure whether she was going to make it. In the midst of that time, we visited a church in the area, and we heard this song for the first time called, Lord, I Need You. As we heard it that first morning, I sat there and wept because it was the cry of my heart. I think it's also the cry of my heart today and every day. I hope this will encourage you. Lord, I need you. Lord, I come.
Jesus, you're my hope. And 